Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wonder Parenting Podcast. This is a brain science approach to parenting. And my name is Tim Wright. I'm here with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael is coming to you from Spokane, Washington. I'm coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Michael, as always, good to be chatting with you today. Oh, great to be here. Great questions. Yes, so we've taken a couple questions that are similar in terms of content and context from our Facebook page. And uh, they both got a lot of energy and a lot of responses from the the people on the Facebook group. And if you're not familiar with it, go to Facebook.com, Facebook.com, of course, and uh, just do a search for Wonder of Parenting. And Wonder of Parenting podcast will come up and you just join the group. We'll let you in right away. It's a closed group. So only listeners of this podcast are on. And uh, I'm telling you, these parents write great questions and you have great responses for each other. And every once in a while, there's be a question on there. I think, boy, this would be great for our whole audience. And uh, the two of these that we're going to look at today fall into that category. And uh, before we get to it, though, I do want to, uh, as always, we, we always like to begin the podcast by saying thanks to our sponsors. They're the ones who make it possible for us to bring these podcasts to you free of charge. And our first sponsor has been with us the longest. That's Greg Jantz and uh, the folks up at the Center, A Place of Hope. It's in the Seattle area, Edmonds to be partic- uh, specific. And um, both Michael and I are good friends with, with Greg. We've had Greg on our podcast before. Uh, his clinic is one of the top clinics in the nation to deal with uh, depression. Uh, they deal with all kinds of other issues as well. And if you ever need that kind of care or someone you love needs that kind of care, the Center of Place of Hope is the place to start. Wonderofparenting.com has the link for you. And then uh, if you've got boys... Uh, and particularly teenage boys who are really struggling and could use some help, the Forge School is another great option for them. And Michael, you have been working with them for months, and I know you're very, very impressed with their program and their campus. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful, beautiful place in the wilderness, uh, adventure therapy, residential treatment for boys, 14 to 17, um, so basically high school. And, uh, you know, if anyone knows of a boy in that age group who's having trouble, trouble in school, trouble in life, um, trouble in family. I've been traumatized. Um, you know, this is a place. Uh, so, and and I have been out there. I'm heading back out there. I go out there four times a year, and uh, work with the the folks there. And they're an incredible team and a great organization. So, um, uh, they really understand boys. Uh, that's the Forge School, and that's on our Wonder of Parenting website. You can click to it. So I told Michael right before we started, I'm really looking forward to his answer to these questions uh, because it's such an important one. Uh, And I'm not going to read the first question. I'm just going to reference it because it sets up the second question. But the first question was about a mom whose five-year-old son wanted to wear a bow in his hair to school, and she let him, 
but she was really concerned about it. She was concerned that he might be teased or whatever. So that began a discussion about boys wearing bows in their hair, moms painting their, their, bo- their son's fingernails and toenails, and there was a lot of response to that. And then as a follow-up came this question, and I think it encapsulates the first one but goes into some really good detail. It's a little longer question, but I'm going to read the whole thing because there's so many layers to it. Uh, my son is four. He has a three-year-old sister who, is, who has always liked to wear dresses. About six months ago, my son asked if he could wear a dress. At that time, I said he could wear one, but we didn't have one in his size because his sister was smaller than he is. I recently purchased some new dresses for my daughter that were larger so that she could grow into them. Earlier this week, when they came in the mail, my son immediately grabbed a purple sundress and said he wanted to wear it. I said, okay, and put it on him. He absolutely loves the dress and is asked to wear it nearly every day since. He looks absolutely adorable in the dress and always gets the biggest smile when he puts it on. He has since asked for other colors of dress. I don't have a problem with my son wearing the dress. I think gender norms around clothes and colors are irrational and way overfraught in our society. We don't use terms like girls' clothes or boys, boy toys, girl colors in our home. My husband is okay with my son wearing dresses in the house. But he has expressed that he doesn't think we should encourage his wearing dresses or allow him to wear it in public. He says that he is concerned people will bully or tease my son. My personal inclination is to offer only support for my son's wishes because I want him to know that we love him and that he is perfect. I worry that even telling him he can't wear the dress in public because people might tease him could be perceived by him negatively as a veiled way of saying that he would embarrass us if he wore it in public. To date, we haven't heard my son express anything that would suggest gender dysphoria, which we did a podcast on that several weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He has said that he is a boy and his sister is a girl in other contexts. My son does have a severe speech articulation disorder that impacts his in, uh, intelligibility considerably, uh, particularly with unfamiliar people. He is shy around other kids and often won't speak to them until he's spent a lot of time with them. He has received speech therapy since he was a very young boy and goes to preschool four and a half days a week, in part because of his speech delay. At school, he shows social anxiety and shyness. I mention all of this because he does have a more reserved and introverted personality. So I worry that he wouldn't have either the inclination or ability to defend himself if he were in a situation where a child was teasing him. All that to say, like all parents, I want my son to be happy, confident, and be a kind person. I also want to protect him from a world that is harsh and prejudiced. For a child that is so young, how do you balance these, all of these competing factors when trying to explain and guide them to become their beautiful, resilient selves? Thank you for your feedback. All right. Between that and the, uh, the other one, uh, and, and just to, to say for the other one, too, when she was talking about her son wearing bows, she said he doesn't act feminine in any other way. He's a boy's boy for lack of better word uh but she's just wondering why the fascination with the bows and is it okay to do that and of course a lot of responses so let's go <laughs> let's go okay well i i um gosh i, I applaud these parents i mean it's, it's of course there's no you know no problem with the boy wearing a bow or uh, a, a boy wearing a dress um i mean it's all everyone's right here in these emails that a lot of this stuff is what she called it overfraught. And that's so true that a lot of this, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of this stuff about boys are pink girls, uh, sorry, boys are blue, girls are pink, boys wear jeans, girls wear, you know, dresses, uh, we're throwing, you know, uh, all of that out. 
girls can wear jeans, boys can wear dresses, right? So, so all of that, I, I just want to say, yes, let's just solve that right away, that there's no, uh, there should be, I don't think, any problem what goes on in the home. Now, what she is, however, referring to, right, the bigger question, and she refers to, and they refer to the two bigger questions. One is gender dysphoria, and the other is the tr potential trauma uh, socially. And the trauma being that the boy would wear the dress to kindergarten or whatever, and if people are not um, ready for it, you know, or even if they are ready for it in the classroom, somewhere out on the playground or walking home or whatever, you know, the boy's going to get brutally made fun of by somebody. It's going to happen. And so this mom is saying, well, I'm trying to juggle that. And if I, if I were her, I would juggle it in favor of keeping this fun experimentation in, in the house, especially because the boy has a speech disorder. He's shy. He's socially anxious. So he has social anxiety. Um, he's introverted. And, and, uh, and she, her target for him is she wants him to be a resilient self. And so putting him in constantly in harm's way, I don't think will build up his resilience. And so whenever I talk about these things with people, I, I always ask them um, to separate the two environments in your home and in your you know small community, because her home might include two or three neighbors' homes too, where all the moms and dads are like, hey, let's trade dresses right with the kids. So that's their kind of home, that safe community. But then the other world is the other world and um, separate these two and look at the other world. And if in the other world, that outer world, uh, having the boy wear dresses is going to cause trauma, then we have to put that above the politics or above our ideology or above our, our concept that, um, that everyone should be able to do everything. I think we have to put the trauma above that. And so, you know, we go trauma versus politics. We are going to pick in favor of not causing the trauma. Um, because let's say that this happens for weeks and weeks and weeks, and this guy gets hassled, you know, uh, bullied. Um, that's trauma. And that was avoidable trauma. And that trauma can affect him. And I would say especially in this case, because of all of the other things he's got going. And given, and, and I guess the third thing I'll say is, given that there's no gender dysphoria here, then, you know, I see no downside at all to letting him have all the free expression, et cetera, in the safe world, teaching him that resilience in the outer world, you know, requires certain standards. Um, and that maybe when he's 20, let's say, and he's strong enough, okay, maybe he goes and he wears dresses. Of course, by then he won't want to because this is a phase, but, but uh, that's the time for that. Right now, we're going to walk the line between gender politics and ideologies uh, where everyone gets to do everything and protecting him uh, because our great drive is to protect him and make sure he doesn't get significantly traumatized. So the, in a way I see these as easy cases compared to some others uh, because, because there isn't gender dysphoria here, because this is a wonderful, beautiful phase that the child is going through. He likes the colors. He likes the attention of wearing these dresses. He likes the camaraderie with his sister. He likes all the the joy in the eyes of his parents or his mom. And the dad is not anti it, which is good, which is great. It's always problematic if like the mom is go ahead and wear a dress and the dad is, you know, that's terrible. That creates another issue. But in this family, nope, that issue doesn't exist. So I think this is the best of all possible worlds here.
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So as I was reading through the responses to this, to both of these questions, the overwhelming majority of responses were coming from moms. Mm-hmm. who said, hey, yeah, I, I have no problem going out and have my nails done with my son and so on and so forth. Didn't hear a lot of dads saying that. Um, it, does there tend to be, um, for whatever reason, a little difference between how dads would see this issue than moms would? Oh, I think so. I think the dads, well, of course, dads are coming from a male brain perspective and you know most of them never wore dresses, right? And, right. and it's generational, obviously. The generations are shifting 30 years from now more dads will be that boy, right? Who wore dresses for six months or whatever it was. And they'll look back on that and go, oh, that was fun. Oh, my boy wants to wear a dress, okay. But of course our generations, right? We didn't do a lot of that. So we've got the generational thing um, for us as males and for for guys, so just not a context for it. And then of course there's the um, uh, the, the sense of it's, this is a boy, we wanna, we as father want to have influence on the boy and, and let's say I, as father, don't agree that he should wear dresses for whatever reasons. I want, I want influence on him. I'm the father. So there's that. And, and that his, his feeling about that can come from any number of places, sociological, political, any number of places. Um, and then the father wants to protect the boy because the father has lived a boy's life. Yeah. And the father knows exactly what will happen to that boy. And it's not something the mothers know as well as the fathers. And, you know, that's why it's great to have both, right? To be bi-strategic. Because the girls lived their dramas and their pains, but they didn't live the constant resilience building and the constant, you know, sort of semi-bullying that boys go through because it's hierarchical, because males are always using hierarchy development and placement in hierarchies in order to bond, to weed out weakness, to build strength in groups. You know, all this stuff that that we've talked about that I obviously I've written about for decades, this is what they do. And so if they find something that they can pick on, they will pick on it. And and we will we will look at it from a gender politics point of view, let's say, right? But for them, what they're picking on is is something that they can utilize as weakness, and then that can control trauma and the father knows that because he lived that um in some way there was something weak about him you know i think uh even the bully father who was a bully at 40 looks back and can he has self-awareness he can go oh yeah i can see how i was weak and how they were trying to get me Mm -hmm. and and that's a boy's life and people like to say well we hate we wish that didn't happen but that is a boy's life and it is absolutely okay it builds resilience 
It forms bonds. It is what it is. If it becomes bullying, it's violent. Obviously, we've said that before. But, but in terms of the way it works, that is the way it works. So when when the father sees something, you know, I think it is really important for us to listen uh, to the father. And and so you know, in this case, it would be really interesting to go back to this family and see how they worked it out. Because I my hope would be that the father saying, you know what, we got to draw the line at the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they stuck with that. Um, uh, because I think this boy would end up hurting in ways that he may hide from them, especially because he's so introverted. But um, but he he might end up hurting. So at this point, what you would say is for for these boys who who want to wear a dress or who want to wear a bow in their hair or have their fingernails painted, um, that would be a phase of what would you say? How, how would you define that? It, it's it's a developmental to, phase. Okay. And, and what Generally, are they trying to discover? Oh, it's just sen- it's sensorial to them. Okay. It's uh, it's social. It's um, uh, you know, a lot of attachment happens because mom and everyone says you're so cute. So there's a lot of love and joy in it. They, <coughs> excuse me, they themselves are sort of, you know, now we're at t- in, to the individual boy. Does he love colors? You know, he may right. he may love colors and his. Blue jeans, they don't have much color, but he yeah. loves the colors of these dresses and he loves to put on the dress and look at the mirror and all the colors around him. So there's all sorts of uh, sensorial things uh, in his development that the dresses fulfill. And because to him, they're not uh, gender politics symbols or anything like that, right? To him, they're just these wonderful sensorial objects that he can wear and enjoy and get some sweet attachment and bonding around. And who knows, you know, he might be bonding with his sister and and then maybe her friends like to see him in the dress and they all laugh and so it's a it's a sweet phase um if he were let's say you know let's say time goes on and a few years from now they're going wow you know i think he's gender dysphoric and then maybe another number of years go on and they say wow you know we have a trans child and then they look back and they could go huh maybe that was a sign but for most boys who do this, who wear bows and dresses and all that. No, it's just, it's just a wonderful phase they, they go through. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, I was going to ask that question then. At what point do you sort of move from, this is cute, this is a phase, to um, maybe there are some things developmentally about our son that we need to know that could be gender dysphoria or whatever it might be. How, at what point do you sort of step back and say, all right, this, this is something we need to be, to take seriously it's not just a game it's not just playtime anymore yeah i think we're gonna see him suffering you know he's not suffering here he's enjoying and so gender dysphoria right dysphoria it's like depression gender dysphoria is really painful and and we parents will know that our son or, or daughter is in pain is suffering and um and that's when we start saying is this gender dysphoria in these cases it's not but if if that's that child is really suffering um you know and if if the suffering let me put up two brackets on there or two parentheses if the suffering is caused by him in public wearing dresses that's not the suffering i mean right mm-hmm. i mean because that's that is a suffering that that we have i think put him into um uh He's gone out, worn those dresses, gotten bullied. We we let that happen, right? That's an external suffering. The suffering, uh, and we and he can, and we, I hope we don't do that to him. But if if we do, some people force their kids into this stuff. You know, they go, well, yeah, your school should 
take care of you. <laughs> and and even though you have 500 kids in that school, uh, every child should see the world the way I do. And the way I see the world is uh, boys wear dresses. No one should say anything about it, right? So if that was our what we did, then you know we partially caused his suffering. But I'm talking about dysphoria, which is internal, which is like depression, and which is a, a deep confusion. And if if he is fe- seeming depressed and really sad, yeah, then then and he's he's. Uh, you know, cross-sex, cross-gender in terms of clothing, in terms of his interests, and, and in terms of him saying, um, and not just saying it because it's a trend, but really saying it, I don't think I'm a boy. You know, mm-hmm. if he gets to there, like say at five or six or seven, then um, then that technically will come under gender dysphoria, even though it may turn out that he is um, trans later. But we want to remember, um, the number of people who are trans is very, very low, who are actually trans. So, uh, but there are a lot of kids who have gender dysphoria, and and so we get treatment for that, and and you know we take some time with professionals to get get treatment for that. Luckily, that's not the case in these cases, and and him wearing dresses will not cause gender dysphoria, because it's not causing any trauma and it's not going to cause depression, you know. Like I said, the, the the big thing would be if, if he just gallivants around town with dresses, that could cause the trauma, for better or worse. I mean, people will say, well, he should be able to, but, you know, it's, it's the real world, and that could cause him trauma. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So when we look at uh, brain science, and, and we've, we've done many, many shows on this, different kinds, uh, I know one of the uh, studies you refer to over and over again is, is putting kids in a, a room with toys and just watching, uh, generally speaking, the way boys respond to toys and the way girls respond to toys. Mm. Um, it, so if you could just take a minute to reference that, and then I've got a couple questions for you about that I, that I think tie into this. Um, so it has to do with how boys respond when they've got dolls and how girls respond when they get fire trucks and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, and I forgot to mention, you know, I forgot to mention our Summer Institute is coming up. I'm going to talk a lot more about this at our Summer Institute. That's yeah. coming up in late June. Go to gurianinstitute.com. Sign up there. You People would love it. Uh, it's via, it's virtual, so easy to do. And so, yes, I, I show those some, you know, in the PowerPoint and the videos and so on, I kind of show this, how, how, differently boys and girls play and um and while there's a lot of crossover like this is an example boys can like to wear dresses and girls can like not to wear dresses of course um all sorts of spectrum and crossover but in general um when we 
when we take it take it on scientifically, we find that not just human males, but also uh, baboons, gorilla, you know, all sorts of other mammals and primates. The males, because of these these sex differences in the brain that we've talked about, males devoting more of the brain to spatial mechanical, less of the brain to verbal. Males higher testosterone, females higher oxytocin, which is bonding chemical. Um, uh, males will tend, even when we give them dolls, if if um, if we just go to the store and buy a bunch of dolls and give them to boys, uh, they are more likely to slam the dolls together, throw the dolls up and drown, use them as a spatial object, an object moving through space, because their their brains look at it and go, hey, it's a plastic object. You know, they're not anthropomorphizing the doll. They're not making this doll into a human being. But the female brain, so much oxytocin, so much bonding chemistry, and so many verbally emotive connections in that brain, connecting words to feelings. Female uh, girls, this is true of all cultures everywhere, right? So this comes in on the X and the Y chromosomes. Females will, uh, little girls will um, talk to their dolls and cuddle their dolls, and they immediately anthropomorphize the doll. They do not see the doll as an object to throw up and down and smash together or to hit their buddy with. They see it as a human being to take care of. And, uh, and again, this is a universal biological trend between males and females. So I, I guess my, my question is, uh, because there are some things, um, and again, we, we, we generalize, that, that seems to be male behavior in the brain, girl behavior in the brain, do we at some point run a risk of confusing our boys and our girls if we try to make everything gender neutral? Oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the whole gender neutral thing. I think for clothing and for like bow ties and dresses and these things, I, I think gender neutral is fine. If what we mean by that is let everyone, you know, do what they want, especially at these young ages, just let them experiment and enjoy. But uh, no, the concept, actually, I was at a, um, just yesterday, uh, yeah, last evening, I was at a birthday celebration and came up in this gathering of friends. One of them said they knew a couple who had decided they they were not going to tell their boy, who has a penis and testicles, they were not going to tell their boy he was a boy. They were never going to refer to him as a boy. Right. And then let him, when he's an adult, choose. Okay, so that's... so. What they're doing is they're confusing gender with sex. Yes. Um, and by being gender neutral, they're thinking that gender is really what matters. And what matters um, uh, first is sex. And sex is biological, and it's not just biological in terms of reproductive organs. It's biological in terms of the brain, right? This kid has a male brain. And um, uh, so, yeah, he is a boy. Now, he may not be a football player boy, right? I mean, in the future, he may be a fashion designer boy, right? But he's still a boy. Yep. And uh, the girl is still a girl. And first, we've got to take care of, of neurobiology and help kids feel comfortable in their neurobiology. And then if we want to afterwards say, you know, gender is a social construct. You can wear dresses if you want. Okay, great. That's fine. That's the right time to be doing gender. But uh, always remember, sex and gender are not the same thing. So when people say gender neutral, I will always say to them, oh, what a neat idea. But you are still going to help your guy understand that he's a boy, right? Huh. Because that's sex, right? And very often, they don't know the difference. And so we have to just say the danger can really come. I think, well, ultimately, the gender neutral thing is kind of a fad. Um, not very many people are doing it. I think most parents are 
steeped in the biology of their children. And at an instinctive level, you know, most parents understand that they have a boy or they have a girl. Uh, and, and there's a broad spectrum of what is boy and a broad spectrum of what is girl. But they're, they're you know, they're still breastfeeding this boy or they're still, uh, they're nurturing this boy at two or three or four. So uh, most people are not involved in this gender neutral thing. It just gets a lot of press. Um, most people are not doing it. But the folks who are doing it, you know, I just have to caution them um, because they, they have to first establish sex and then look at being gender neutral. Right, right. That's really helpful. And, and I, I think, uh, again, what I, what I hear you saying, because this is such an important question, is let's let our boys and girls be creative, especially when they're younger, experiment with however they want to do that in terms of their clothes and their toys. Um, but we do want to protect them from possible trauma out in the world that may not understand what they're doing, and we don't necessarily need to put them through that. Um, they, If they want to wear the dresses at home, the bows at home, great. If they feel that they're safe going to school with a bow in their hair, that's fine. But, but you want to protect the child from being bullied or going through a traumatic situation outside of the home, if that, which isn't necessary uh, to making a statement. Yeah, it, it, maybe they're in a little kindergarten or a pod with four other people in it or five other kids in it, and they all want to wear dresses that day. I mean, how great that is. But but doing this doing this into a you know a public school kindergarten that has fifty or a hundred kids there, that's where I think it's they'd have to think twice. They know better. They live in that world, but that's where I would I would think twice. In a little small community, fun. If it's going to be traumatic, just let that be everyone's standard. Is this going to be traumatic? If this is right. going to be traumatic, then we're not building resilience by putting that child into that kind of avoidable trauma. Well, it's such a good question and uh, mm. actually good questions. And thank you for your response to that. And uh, I hope it was helpful for our listeners. And um, uh, if you've got questions for us, you can send them to us on our webpage, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. Or you can ask questions on Facebook, and there'll be a lot of parents who will chime in and answer uh, to the best of their ability from their insights. And once in a while, I'll pick one of those up, and we'll talk about it on our podcast. Uh, If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with others. And Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.